For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Recorded live.
Welcome to the Waterman Files. You are not alone. You are not alone. Ground crew, you are not alone. Ground crew, you are not alone. Ground crew, you are not alone. We are in this together. Welcome to the Waterman Files. This is Dr. John Waterman coming to you from deep inside the castle. I'm glad you're here tonight. And uh, this is August the 11th, 2015. And we are going to be doing two topics tonight. And uh, the first hour, as soon as the guest calls in, we will be talking to Ray and Wilma, who are in a lawsuit involved with the Constitutional Sheriff's Organization, and we'll, uh, we had them on live, and uh, voila, it didn't end up getting recorded properly, only part of it. Hmm. So we're going to have them back, and we're going to have them on for an hour so that we can kind of clarify it all again. And in the meantime, I want to go over the Waterman Files website, let you know that it's uh, got some new information up there. And you kind of have to poke around, but there's a radio schedule. How about that? Isn't that unique? I've got a radio schedule, and uh, let's go over that because um, you're going to need to know. Now, I'm still doing about two to three other interviews a week on other networks, and uh, I think we've got it. Are they on the way? All right, so we've got them calling in. Tuesdays tonight, I do it. 7 Eastern time is right here. Wednesdays, I'm at Veterans Truth Network. You've got the link on the uh, schedule. 
radio schedule page. And Wednesdays, it's 9 p.m. Eastern. Thursdays, I'm there at 7 p.m. Eastern. And then at 11 p.m. on Thursdays, I'm back on at the Truth Traveler. Okay? So we've got four shows a week now on three days. Uh, It's all right there to kind of get you guys uh, acquainted with the schedule and aware of of uh, uh, aware of the uh, schedule and what uh, uh, time we're on now. <laughs> and I think our guest has called and dialed in, and let me get uh, get them on. I've got our guest today that's going to be here for the first hour is uh, Ray and Wilma, and they, <laughs> let's say that again, Ray <laughs> and Wilma. <laughs> Actually, it's Loma, L-O-M-A. Would you know? Wouldn't you just know? Wouldn't you just know? I, you know, L O M A Loma. Yes. And Loma. Why did that? She's. I knew that. With a client right now, she's a hairstylist here in town, and okay, she might be running a little bit late, but I'm here. I'm Ray. <laughs> okay, Are you Ray. Today, Doc? Sorry about that. Well, you know, we've got a lot going. Besides, you guys are in the middle of a a big drama that just is uncalled for. Um, And why you are here is so that we can follow up with a live show that we did that only got half recorded. So we're going to put you on this first hour to kind of maybe get caught up and again reiterate uh, what we're uh, seeing come out of your uh, efforts there. Um, Why don't you just kind of briefly explain your involvement and where it ended up going. Okay. Well, Loma and I have been doing um, activist work in the Patriot community for about 11 years. And we've done everything from educating sheriffs on their authority and what type of jurisdiction they have to educating county commissioners, um, the local people on what their standing is. Uh, We've done classes on uh, the Constitution, um, you name it pretty much. We've covered Agenda 21 and and tax liens and notice of tax liens and all of that kind of stuff. Well, through the process, we ran into um, Sheriff Richard Mack, or former Sheriff Richard Mack, and he was doing the talk circuit and talking about sheriffs and, and what their rights and authority and jurisdiction is and how they're kind of our last line of defense. And at the time, with a lot of the land issues that Loma and I were working on, that was a great fit. And so we watched a couple of his previous presentations and were quite impressed. Um, He had won a Supreme Court case uh, that had uh, some things to do with gun rights and Second Amendment. And the opinion by the court was a very broad one and very useful. So we kind of um, geared up with him and started helping him to to promote his word and he started helping us to promote our word and we got together and at the time he was um, basically just going around as Sheriff Richard Mack and then he decided that um, in doing several of the engagements that it might be prudent to look at another organization that was geared toward sheriffs, 
towards law enforcement and towards elected county officials. Okay. So after a couple of um, couple of presentations here in Douglas and Josephine County and assisting him with his work, we um, we all had a dinner. There were about 12 of us. We got together and started talking about this idea. And so we came up with the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, which is now CSPOA. So through that process, we continued to work with uh, Richard for a while, and we put on helped to put on the first convention for them back in January of 2012. And uh, that was quite successful. And we met with several of the sheriffs that Loma and I had been working with for several years, um, along with some newcomers that we had just kind of gotten to know. And they really wanted something more than what was being presented and delivered and what they had seen of Sheriff Mack and, and what he was doing. And they said, you know, we need solid education. We need legal representation. Um, you know, we need a solid business structure. Mm-hmm. And so we went to uh, Richard after the convention, and Loma and I let him know what we had heard. We tended to agree. Uh, you know, we had been running the circuit with the other things, and it was growing, and these sheriffs were getting hungrier, and they needed more substance. So um, Richard said that, you know, he really wasn't interested in going that direction. Um, We were concerned about some of the things that he had said in the convention debriefing, and we decided to part ways. And so we notified all of the sheriffs that we had worked with that uh, we were parting ways and we were starting our own deal that we weren't going to be in competition competition with, but it would be something that would be complimentary and that we were going to get into more in-depth education. And uh, Loma just ran in. She's frazzled. (laughs) 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 That's what she's being a hairdresser in a small town, right? Um, So we sent out the notice and uh, started National Constitutional Sheriff's Association. Well, about six months later, we got word that Richard was, the former Sheriff Richard Mack was suing us. Oh. We, never, we never got, we, we, we never really were able to get a full story on it. And <clears throat> the more we dug into it, the more it sounded like rumor. So oh, no. we kind of ignored it, you know. Well, almost a year later, Loma and I got served. And Hmm. sure enough, he was suing us. Now, this is after several of the sheriffs we worked with, who were also members of the Leadership Council with CSPOA, had told us, no, don't worry about it. From what we understand on our last call, he's, you know, it's done, it's water under the bridge. Well, when we got served with notice, we started reaching out to folks and um, asking questions of of what they knew. And they were shocked, as we were. And when we read the petition, both of us mouths just dropped, and we darn near fell to our knees. There were over 60 charges, Um, some of them including wiretap fraud. Uh, There were a lot of... (laughs) 
fiscal charges against us. And let me. Can I interrupt you about that one? The the wiretap charge. Sure. How can how can you privately be charged from an individual? I thought that would be like. I thought that would have to come from the government saying uh, you had done something. I mean, wiretapping. I thought. <laughs> no, I have no idea, and and it was pertaining to a. Um, the, the debriefing call that we had after the convention on freeconferencecall.com. Uh, so a conference call was then considered wiretapping. Yeah, and it even tells you, you know, when you when you record it, because we had used this throughout the planning of the convention for committee meetings. <coughs> Excuse me, because we were mm-hmm. all of us were all over the country, and when you get on the call and you record it for minutes so you have, you know, reference to go back to, it it breaks in and it mutes all the lines and it says this call is now being recorded. Uh, That kind of blew us away, you know, when he listed wiretap fraud. But the real kicker, the majority of the charges were fiscal and fiduciary, you know, all having to do with money. And neither Loma nor I ever at any time had access or authority in any of CSPOA's financial affairs. So all this work you've been doing in the Patriot community really is not a moneymaker for you, and uh, that was carried on over into this uh, work with uh, the organization he's part of. Yeah, Loma and I have spent tens of thousands of dollars of our own savings and and retirement accounts to the point to where we're both basically broke and and you know having to continue to work for a living to have anything to to stash up so to speak. You know, our heart and soul has been in this movement for like I say over 11 years now. And we've never ever asked for a speaking fee. Um, the only thing we've ever requested is to cover our gas and, and hmm. if we have to stay overnight, you know, put us up in somebody's house and feed us a meal. So this wasn't money in your pocket stuff after you leave then? Oh, no. No. Okay. Now, can I ask a frank question? Absolutely. Do any of these events that were occurring in the same venues that Sheriff Mack was part of, did he have any money in his pocket after he left any of them over 40 some thousand dollars was raised for cspoa for that convention and which which didn't go into an organization pot but went into his pocket because let me ask you is there is there any formal uh llc or chapter c or s or i mean uh not chapter, uh, corporate C, yeah. Is there any 501c3 stuff where this money went into, or did it just go into a entrepreneur, like a proprietor's business pocket? It's a sole proprietorship. Okay, okay. Which was one of the contentions uh, that many of the sheriffs had was with the business structure. Which was part of the reason that we did, you know, decide to break off and start NCSA, which was an LLC, and we were going for our structure as either an association or a 501c3. We were consulting with with attorneys and accountants to 
to see which one would be better for us. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, because of all of this, um, we were not able to, to continue and move forward with NCSA, which was a huge disappointment to a lot of the sheriffs because we were providing them with the necessary education and we had finally pulled together um, a group of really fine attorneys uh, to represent them at reduced rates um, out of a membership pot. Which can you uh, can you uh, just is there a volume switch? You can raise the volume a little bit. It's somebody in the chat saying they're having trouble hearing you, uh, Ray. Okay. Ask them if this is better. That 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 is better probably. Uh, say something again. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got two. I've got two dots instead of one now. That's that's up. <laughs> okay, great, great. Usually they tell me, "Calm down, be quiet, too loud." <laughs> well, we'll we'll get you. We'll we're getting you cranked up here. We're just uh, we're priming the pump. Go ahead. You know, it, it's it's so disappointing to both Loma and I because of the blood, sweat, and tears that we've put into it. You know, we we trusted him. Um, we never thought that it would come to something like this. It's for for people to be fighting amongst each other within the patriot movement is exactly what they want to occur. What the so-called powers that be want to sure. they want us to implode from the inside. So let me get this straight: you're not charged with uh, by the government of breaking the law. You're in a civil suit. From an individual that's claiming all these charges, and I assume that it's just not arrest him and put him in jail for criminal activity. I'm assuming he's wanting some money out of this, right? Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars plus is what he's wanting, and he he knows us. I mean, he knows that we don't have a pot to piss in, so to speak, or a window to throw it out of. Yeah. Let me let me ask you a question. Another one, and this is just fact. Has he ever sued anybody civilly for a lot of money before? You know, I I can't say that unequivocally. You know, with proof or fact, I've heard mm. that it has occurred. Um, okay. it, that the suits never went anywhere because I guess the people complied, but. We started getting wind of a lot of things when people started finding out a lot of. Well, it's kind of hard to say you've got an attempt that never did get the public, uh, you know, scrutiny because there's no books for. Hey, he tried. You know, that's kind of like off the book stuff. Exactly. You know, a lot of people. I think, from what we understand, what we've been told, and like I say, it's hearsay. We don't know for fact, but they they would they would comply, okay, because it was. It was Richard Mack, you know, and they had a lot more money than what he did, and so they did what he said. Well, based on the charges that his petition has in for Loma and I, they could be incredibly damaging to us, and there was no way that we could just roll over. I I mean, we couldn't. If we did, it would preclude us, you know, if he got a default judgment against us based on what charges he brought, it could really damage us in the future for finding gainful employment or getting loans or things of that nature because of mm-hmm. the charges. And, and so we could not yep. let it go. Now, I've been, a, I've been familiar with uh, personalities across the Patriot community uh, dating back into the 80s, I hate to say. I'm getting that old, but 30-some-odd years. 
And, uh, you know, I rubbed shoulders and went to meetings that was held by men that were, you know, wrote books like the Federal Reserve, <laughs> Eustace right. Mullins. Um, and uh, people like Gordon, uh, who used to be in Idaho and started a barrister school of common law and then went to Missouri. And, and then I, I knew of his buddy that uh, was with him, who was a military retired person, and he went into more of a religious uh, 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 efforts after that. And so I could just go down a whole list of people and for 30 years, I had never come across somebody by the name of Sheriff Mack working in the Patriot movement. And uh, so, do you, does I'm sure you've got a history. How, when did he show up on the scenes? You know, he showed up on the scene right after... Um, 2009. Right. It was after his... his uh, when he, suit that he yeah. he joined. He joined the Prince versus U.S. suit. He joined the Prince. Can you just briefly define or tell us what that is? Prince versus U.S. Well, the, the court made it very clear that, and I can't remember exactly what the the whole case was about, but they made it very clear that the sheriff is the chief law enforcement officer okay. of the county. It, it had to do with firearms. Now, was he an active sheriff at the time? Yes, when he joined the suit, he was. He was. Okay. You know, patriots uh, go way back. And, uh, you know, bless their hearts, we've just built on their shoulders. And uh, this isn't something new. I know you know that. No. Uh, it's, it's, it's not new to be teaching the sheriff is uh, the uh, final legal or enforcement, uh, I shouldn't say legal, the final enforcement authority in a county and even has authority over um, the FBI and and, uh, the state police and and so forth. All agencies. All of them, right. And so he joined the suit while he was inactive. Oh, that, that's, that's admirable. Was he actively uh, teaching at that point, or was he just a, a sheriff and joined a suit? Was he doing any of this kind of activity that you're talking about teaching others at that point? Uh, I, I don't remember. As far as okay. I know, he was not not while he was sheriff, but I mm-hmm. you know his political standards. I think were pretty constitutional and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, but as far as actively, you know, no, I don't. I so don't. really, if we're talking 2009, we're really talking about a fairly uh, fr- uh, new or freshman type of patriot. Now that does not mean that in that amount of time you can't learn a lot of stuff. <laughs> Especially if you personally get involved and dig in deep, you can learn a lot real fast. Oh, yeah. But, but you, you, what you're saying is that you had an event, and during this event, the the the, the I say police, uh, the sheriffs and other law enforcement, I should say, <clears throat> were concerned that this might be worth uh, uh, pursuing having some kind of educational venue for. Uh, law enforcement and sheriffs primarily, but 
uh, it shouldn't be uh, necessarily in the auspices of one man as a private business-making venture, that it should be some other kind of more public-oriented type of setting. Is that what I'm hearing, and that's what they wanted then? Yes. Okay. The elected officials, they are under such scrutiny. And now, did he did he think that this was something that you created, this that you were out there instigating these opinions, or why did he in the world think he should sue you? I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out here. It just doesn't seem. Well, I don't even want to use the word kosher because it's more kosher than probably not. Uh, what else? Uh, what can we? Um, Assume other than it's frivolous. It just sounds just really frivolous. Well, I, I, I just, I just, this is like you said, uh, very damaging to uh, pursuing activities in a, in, a, in the setting. So he sued you for money, claiming then I assume you somehow damaged him uh, worth a quarter of a million dollars. You know, mostly it came from our mistake of leaving out one word when we sent out the notice that we were leaving CSPOA and dissolving our partnership. Um, You know, we were kind of all partners in this, informal as it may have been. You know, there was verbal agreement, um, and people very much associated us with CSPOA and so when we sent out the notice that we were leaving and starting National, National Constitutional Sheriff's Association, we left out that one word, partnership. And we immediately, when it was brought to our attention, we immediately sent out a correction email um, to every email that we sent the dissolution out to. And he claims that that caused damage. Now, well, let me ask you this, though. You had no written agreements, right? You didn't have a a partnership signed on the dotted line prior to this. You were just helping. Is that correct? Correct. We were his main volunteers and public contact for the organization for some time. So I should assume that he saw you as a threat, and that's why you got sued, and that has nothing to do with you doing something wrong other than involving yourself in another organization. You want to know something? That's what America's all about. He needs to learn a lesson here. Competition is what free market is. And if he can't handle it, then he needs to kick it up a notch so that he can better compete. There is nothing illegal about launching a competitive to anything. Anything. There's no law against that. And, 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 And because of that threat, he's saying... Let's just say it this way, which is not what you were intending to do. You were trying to dovetail together with that group. But let's just pretend for a second, and I mean pretend as in pretending, that you were trying to be a competitor. That does not merit a lawsuit, even if you were. I agree. Legally, mm-hmm. that there's no, absolutely no reason. You know, there was no con- no 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 non compete agreement. There was no. I, I, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. This is something that he should have come to us 
as a man and said, you really hurt me. I don't appreciate the way that this was handled. You know, we have offered time and time again to send out additional apologies or do public appearances. I don't think you owe him anything. I think when you quit and go do whatever the hell you want, excuse the language, it's your business. You haven't in a contract, you haven't an agreement with him. Now, if he had sued you because you put together an event and you took 100000 and only gave him half of it and didn't tell him, well, now he's got something to do that kind of civil lawsuit for, and, and he should be suing. But that's not what happened here, folks. Yeah. This isn't what happened. Sheriff Mack has taken this $45,000, in my opinion, and he thinks that he can turn his 45 into 250 just because he's got enough money to hire big guns with his uh, $45,000 and and try and make them liable for it. Well, and so what happens? Well, when you've got $45,000, they can nitpick over one word until you know that old saying is uh, I'll protect you as an attorney until your to your last dollar. Well, then when the last dollar is gone, like these people are broke from it, this is something that's flawed in our system, by the way. Yeah. This is something very, very flawed that money buys you liberty and, uh, and absolves you from criminal activity and creates these frivolous venues for frivolous lawsuits just because they've got the money to make it happen. That's wrong. Well, and you've it's got just, administrative courts, too. You, do, you don't have constitutional courts anymore. That's right. That's right. So he's playing in the system, and he's wanting to teach people how the system is their enemy, but yet uses that system to make money called a quarter of a million dollars in a lawsuit. Uh, I call that the highest hypocrisy. Thank you. Thank you. And you have to understand something, Doc. When he called us in to help with this first convention, um, they didn't have a venue set. And he called me in November asking for us to come and help him. And I talked to Ray, and within four days we had a venue, or Ray had a venue um, set for their first CSPOA event. And from the middle of November until that event went on in January, we helped them raise over $150,000. Wow, <clears throat> that's what he's after, because this isn't making you money. This is making him money, and he wasn't paying you, was he? No. He, he didn't say, I'm going to hire you for X number of dollars. No. He didn't say, I'm going to give you so much an hour. No. You were volunteers, as I understand, right? Yes. Now, you guys have got to fight this in order to stay out of trouble, I assume, right? Yes. Where does that stand? currently run our bill up toward $16,000 at this point, and we're in the process of, um, you know, don't hold me to this, but it's either discuss discovery or depositions or interrogatories or whatever it is. We're trying to get him to respond to provide the evidence of the losses he's claiming. And well, of course. You've got the right to hear what they're claiming. You have a right to know what you're guilty of, and you're, and you have a right for your uh, people and or you 
ultimately to see this proof. He's running up our, you know, our legal bill because he knows we can't afford to pay it. You know. Oh, that's like oh, this just this is sick. This is now. I'm not going to call you guys grandma. Okay, I'm not going to do that. But it's like taking a helpless <laughs> old. Okay, I'm not, well you may be, but I don't want you to hear that. This the, I don't want it to sound pejorative because what I'm about to say is it's like taking the little old lady off the front porch in a rocker that's 85 years old, can't work, and she just wants to have her lemonade and her little grandkids and great grandkids come and see her every once in a while, and all of a sudden she gets smacked with a quarter of a million dollar lawsuit because she just can't do anything about it. Yep, that's where we are. Now, let's uh, let's let's go on. Where do you want to go from here? But before you do, um, because you're going to need help, uh, give people your contact and uh, directly to you. And then after we do contact, I've got another question. So I want to separate these two very, very uh, deliberately. How do we get a hold? How do people that want to just be in contact with you, how do they get a hold of you? You know, the best way really is probably by email. And um, mine is my name, uh, my first initial R, last name Kopitka, C-O-P like Paul, I-T like Tom, K-A at Yahoo.com. So that's R-O-P-I-T-K-A at Yahoo.com. Loma? Hair Piggy, H-A-I-R-P-I-G-G-I-E, Hair Piggy, at Reagan.com. How do you spell Reagan? R-E-A-G-A-N. Okay. Uh, Boy, that's quite an email. I would assume that's because you're in the hair business. And I collect pigs. <laughs> and you collect pigs. Okay. You collect. Okay. <laughs> well, there you Here go. Here comes the next question. <laughs> the, next, <laughs> the next question is separate. How can they contribute to help in the lawsuit? You know, in order to keep ourselves completely removed from the money, we want the donations to go through and to our attorney directly. Okay. And I can email, I think I've emailed you over that information. I don't know if you still have it. Um, I could dig through. I, I think I posted on one of the blog sites, but I'm going to have to make a page this time so it stays because after about four posts, boom, it's out of everybody's site, but I'm going to put up a page for it. Um, yeah, so um, I've, I think I've got it, but just in case, it would be good if you... Uh, forwarded that to me again. Can you do that? Thomas Carnes has taken up our case. He's an attorney in uh, Gillespie County. That's the other thing, too. He sued us from Texas. Loma and I are both in Oregon. The contractual agreement or the verbal agreement to assist with the uh, convention was made in Oregon. Mm-hmm. All agree- So the venue really should be Oregon. Yes. Correct. And And we screwed up. Um, we tried to represent ourselves, and in Texas, I guess, if you don't bring up jurisdiction as your very first thing, you've consented. 
Yep. And we did not. We brought up uh, improper service and then the jurisdiction. Well, tell your attorney to do a countersuit and change the jurisdiction on the new one. And yep. I'll be just as busy coming up there as you, as you will be possibly going down there. You know, again, it's like we said, the, you know, the courts are only and attorneys are only available to those that have money. That's right. So in order to do anything like this that I mentioned even, uh, to play this dirty game, you have to have money, don't you? Hey, folks, I'm going to have this up on the Waterman files, and I want you to go to the page. It'll be a new tab at the top. I'll fit it in there, folks, somewhere. And uh, what would you guys say? Uh, I, I don't know uh, what kind of uh, – what would you title this as a – what kind of lawsuit would this be? What would they be contributing to the uh, Ray and Loma Fund, or is that too Ray too direct? Liberty Defense Fund. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll just put it. I'll put Defense Fund, and then when they click on that page, that tab, it'll bring them to your names and efforts, and uh, it'll have the connect the 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 attorney there. And folks, as you've just heard, they do not, they are not wanting to be responsible for the accounting of this money. So, but it's there for you to contribute to make it possible to fight a lawsuit that shouldn't be fought in the first place. Guys, let me, let me tell you, I could understand perfectly well how, you know, it's hard to beat this. And let's say you do. Uh, then you could turn around and counter sue for all kinds of, uh, of problems that was created from a frivolous lawsuit that got dismissed. But until then, you've got to get the first step done. And even after that, you may not be inclined. And most good people, folks, are just wanting the thing over and usually don't pursue it's kind of now I'm not talking about how Randy Weaver did something wrong. I'm not going to say that. But when Randy Weaver was uh, at the court level getting ready to um talk about what happened to his family, how they got executed and murdered by the government. The government offered him 3 million dollars to not bring it to court. <clears throat> and you know, if you go to court, guys, it's not just the money. It's the emotions, and they can be ripping you apart doing even a countersuit. But they have no choice right now, folks. This isn't a lawsuit they brought up. They're defending their innocence, and they are still having hardships. What can you tell us about the disposition of it at this point? You mentioned that they made it their jurisdiction. Uh, what's the latest uh, in this since we talked last? Or maybe just tell us what's recent. The latest is we're waiting on Mac to respond and provide evidence of his losses. And that's been going on for about two months now. And oh, that's crazy. And if it can... In, <clears throat> this isn't Hillary Clinton, is it? I mean... Or, <laughs> This is nonsense. Um, yeah. Oh well, uh, well, uh, we're gonna fight a war. We're gonna fight a war tomorrow. We can go to war in 24 hours. 
but don't ask for emails uh, to be revealed because, my God, that'll take six months. Exactly. <clears throat> when they can't perform that quick or any faster than that, you have to ask yourself the question, are they really qualified to be in a position? Does everything take six months in this in this group? I mean, they send emails every day. What's the problem? Well, the problem is corruption. Yeah, this has been going on for two, three years now, two years. Yeah, we got served in We got years? served in 2013, oh, been going on for three years. Yeah, almost three years now. Yeah. Um, and and the, it, it, yeah, I mean, ridiculous. If it continues, it means that we will have to come out of pocket to travel back to Texas for any kind of hearings or depositions, and neither one of us can afford to do that. Well, guys, I didn't to do this last time, and something as you were, as I was pondering you coming on, that I am going to do. I used to be in a, a certain kind of leadership in uh, the Patriot community, and I've retired of it. I retired from it, I should say. But you know, when you kind of do that in good standing, like I did. There's a whole venue of a certain kind of group of people, primarily men, all across the United States that dawned on me that this is one of the most important things that they are knowledgeable about is the fact that we have a problem with educating law enforcement, and that's primarily sheriffs, but any law enforcement, right? Um and uh, Jack McLam did his best and uh, faithfully executed what he thought needed to be done. He had the Vampire Killer 2000 publication. He, you know, tried to uh, teach people uh, what law enforcement was up to and uh, tried to, to educate. And it was uh, when he passed away or and actually got older, I go, oh, boy, that's a shame. You know, but as he began to retire and was semi-retired, was only on very little, and he wasn't in front of uh, the people as much, is when I think uh, uh, some other things began to get out of control, like fusion centers and, and baloney like that. So I'm going to contact some movers and shakers in these organizations across the United States for you on the QT. Nobody's going to know who... I'm talking to, and we're going to get this message through word of mouth and other communications that are established on a very secretive communication links across the country, and let's see if we can't get you some help. I have no idea what's up, what they're up to, and what their budgets are. There's a lot of them fighting literally on the southern border right now, and uh, I don't know if funds are moving completely there uh, in these efforts or not, but I'm certainly going to get the word out, and I want everybody out there to tell others about this, too. What can we do other than that? Uh, I know you're going to need money to fight this. Is there anything else people can do? do you, and, and maybe I should back up and say it this way. You started this other organization. Has this uh, kind of put the ice or chilled it, or has it kind of uh, caused it to 
not work for you like you wanted? What's uh, what's the status of your other your your effort you were going to do? We had to shut the doors, unfortunately, and um, it, there were a couple of reasons for it. One was the lawsuit. Uh, another was that there was a lot of confusion regarding our association with CSPOA, and many people actually thought that we were the same and or affiliated organizations, and they didn't want anything to do with it because, like I said, they wanted more structure, more protection uh, with the business. And so between the lawsuit, the lawsuit and the confusion, we ended up having to shut our doors. And too bad, too. It is, because like I say, we had phenomenal legal representation that was willing to reduce their rates and work out of a pool to represent these guys anytime they needed it and to provide ah. going and continuing right. education. And we had other experts from around the country that were willing to come in, you know, once, twice, you know, three times a year to do regional and, and national and state conventions for these guys for additional training. Yes. Things were going very, very well, and people were excited, but there was still that confusion and then the lawsuit looming over us. And the infighting in the community at that time, it just, the timing wasn't right. right. Let me ask you this. Uh, does that preclude you from being advisors to a group of people that would like to pick up that ball and the baton and in a relay effort, continue the effort? Can you advise them? Or would that be very complicated, too complicated? Not at all. I mean, we still have all of the materials and information and, and contacts, contacts and, so and we're still in, in contact with the majority of them. And, you know, things over here in the West are pretty crazy. We've got a lot of oath keepers that are holding land um, for various reasons, whether it be mineral rights or, um, you know, right now we've got some horrific fires in California, mm -hmm. Oregon, and Washington. And we've been... It's a mess county commissioners throughout the three states that they need to get off their duffs and take back the jurisdiction within the counties and start working these lands or they're just going to burn to the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody's done it and everything we've said has come to fruition, you know, mm -hmm. over the last three years that we've been preaching this. Uh, things are not good, not at all, for us here in the West. And well, it seems like to me this is a perfect opportunity to move forward, yeah. uh, it, it just means you can't directly be involved. Is would I that would, would that be the best way to put it? No, we can still be directly involved. I mean, okay. we're not dealing with proprietary information or anything. You know, we're just dealing with re-educating people. Right. You okay. know, unfortunately, they know isn't really what they need to know. And we were mm -hmm. we've been in existence. For 11 years now, we started out as Liberators 11. We're now Liberators 2004. So we've continued um, to educate. But it's 2015. You're right. We started out as, um, I'm sorry. I just had to. That's okay. But that's when we, 2004 was when we started. And yes. And we're still educating. Yes. We're still holding our monthly meetings. In 2000. Oh, really? So tell me. Yeah. Be, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, in 2002, we were the Lawman Group, which was when oh. we check conscious on uh, a lot of the tax issue stuff. Oh, boy. And others. And well, uh, the, there was the pilot connection. There was, I mean, uh, 
we could just go down a whole list of people that just beat them up one side down the other. Well, anyway. But, yes, we still hold <laughs> monthly meetings of our liberators group, and we still educate people on you know, what their standing is, what it means to be a citizen or the posterity of the, of the people. And we're working With, hard right now on jurisdiction. Right. Now, tell me, tell me then, uh, can you do this if you're not local to Oregon? I mean, can people do it from anywhere? Oh, absolutely. Wow. Excellent. Uh, Well, so this is an opportunity for people to learn about these. You know, the real battle, I think, is seen clearly when you understand jurisdiction. Yes. Don't you think? Yeah. Now, this does not mean, folks, jurisdiction as a court case in Texas versus Missouri, <laughs> or, a, you know, a, is it supposed to be in Oregon? No, no, no. We're talking about the application of the law may not apply to a uh, a certain individual, and there's terms that mean things that are more along lines of one jurisdiction and terms uh, that are used in a different kind of jurisdiction for a purpose, and that's to establish jurisdiction. And do you get into that, do you, when you're teaching? Yes, we do. Yes, we're doing land right now with the federal government, um, whether or not they own land. In fact, they own not one acre in Oregon. There's never been any land ceded to the federal government here, but they control it all. Oh, boy, talk about clouded titles. Well, in fact, it's more than just a clouded title. It's whether they have the legal right to actually own it, right? It's well, not yeah. even a clouded title, no. and they have no legal act, no legal authority to own it. That's in the Or government. lawful. They're supposed <laughs> yeah. to be disposed of it. Yeah. They and they have so, so you guys can actually take some folks that are listeners that are interested in learning what the boundaries of government's uh, effort is, what the public servant's boundaries are, because we are, aren't we, the government, and they are our public servants, and they, the public servants, have boundaries, but we, the government, have forgotten or maybe never learned in the first place what those are, and you're teaching that. Is that correct? And more importantly, they have a fiduciary duty to protect our private property and our rights. In other words, they have, a, they have an obligation to protect yes. our wealth. Yes. Correct. And private property, isn't it the basis for Absolutely. liberty Absolutely. or freedom? Absolutely. And that's why they're to dispose of the land, sell it off to private people so that we can make our wealth off the land. And they've Oh man, this is big. <laughs> oh, it's huge. And and here in the West, we we deal with it every day. You know, our well, I bet you do. Our so-called environmentalist organizations have completely destroyed our forests. Oh, I, t- I got to tell you, l- this is kind of getting scary. The next hour I'm going over the web bot, but let me tell you what developed that's right up this alley. There were some uh, breakaway businesses in China, and I say breakaway. There were some Chinese men that were connected enough to have the Central Communist Party give them the opportunity to run a business, Okay. 
Of course, it's always 51% owned by the government of China. Does that make a, Does that make sense? Yeah. So, because they are communists, you know. But they still made a lot of money. In fact, it made what you might want to say is millionaires out of these guys. Well, these guys decided to take their money and run. They really did. They went outside the country and invested in real wealth. And some of that real wealth was real estate. (laughs) And so here's China's Communist Central Party going basically, hey, we didn't benefit from that. It's what they're really saying when they want to tell you what they did. So they're coming after the capital flight out of the country. In other words, this wealth that was invested that was supposedly owned by these businessmen because they got paid their half and they just decided to put that back into some other country. So they've been buying property in New York and California and Florida. Well, they're adjudicating the case in China and they've assigned the job of collecting this wealth, including real estate, to the People's Liberation Army of China. And so the so the Chinese are going to there were about ready according to this report I've got to see that the People's Liberation Army is representing the nation of China and the government of China wants that paper so to speak of that land they want to own it and not just own it they want to have like Embassy status. In other words, I'll do whatever the hell I want with it. Foreign sovereign land is what they want. That's exactly what's coming. And if we as people don't understand what you are teaching, we will never be able to press the public servants into protecting us, like you said. And this is exactly why this was needing to be done. That's what terrifies us about our area because from the northern tip of California all the way up to northern Douglas, southern Lane County, we have some of the most mineral-rich lands in the world. Yep. Second only wow. area. And wow. And what's wow. happening to the desecration of our forests, since nothing can be done and the federal government's not going to manage it properly to bring it back, they'll sell it off to foreign interests. And if the people don't think that mm-hmm. they sit back and watch. Well, if people like to learn this, I'm sure there's some cost to cover uh, publications, books, paperwork, and stuff like that, isn't there? Because there will, there will be stuff like that, right, if they got involved? Um, you know, most of the stuff is on our website already. And like oh. I said, we don't really charge. We've got a lot of downloads and, and other things on there at Liberation. Oh. 2004.org, and they can go on and see what we're doing for the next class or next meeting. Uh, if they, you know, if they want kind of an overview or if they want particular information, we'll direct them where to go. And if we have it, we'll share it. Well, let's move forward, guys. Ground crew, you've heard these folks. There's a couple things you can do if you would like to be involved. Maybe you can help with an organization like the Constitutional Sheriff's Organization that uh, needs to kind of kick, kick it up a notch and make it a little bit more of a, uh, a organization for everyone, not an entrepreneurial type of thing. More like, uh, 
a public utility, <laughs> but the, but but uh, also, uh, folks, here's an opportunity for you to uh, get education, and that's wonderful. Now it's liberators2004.org, right? Right. Yes. Um, okay. Jim, one of the things that we have done is I don't know if you're aware of the Eisenhower report. It's 1,600 pages that um, Eisenhower put together a committee to define uh, the United States jurisdiction in each state. And what we did as a group is we had a gentleman go through and take that 1,600-page report and disseminate it down into 16 pages for our sheriffs. Oh, do, that's a lot of work. We that one for $10. That's that's like what we used to do in college, and they called them cliff notes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sometimes that worked, and sometimes it was a flop, though. But I'm sure he did a good job. That's a lot of work doing something like that. Yes, he, he did, did a great job. Fantastic. Hey guys, what would you like to? Uh, anything else we need to know before uh, we're done here today? You know, last but not least, if anybody's familiar with doing crowdfunding. Um, that would be awesome if somebody would do something like that for us and, and send the money into our attorney. We don't know anything about it. Neither one of us have the time to figure it out. Um, you know, like I say, Loma's a hairdresser in town. She has been for over 30... 45 years. 45 years. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> and I'm retraining um, because of the economy. You know, I'm back to school. And uh, it might oh, wow. Guys, this has been great. This won't be the last time we we talk, but I wanted to to uh, do an hour, an hour we lost on the on the audio before. And folks, uh, we've got uh, liberators2004.org. You can call them, find out more about it. If you're good with, you know, things that are kind of techy, I don't think you have to be real techy to do crowdfunding. You just got you know got to go put it up and uh, work it out and see what they require. That'd be great if you could do that for them. And uh, we'll put all this information up and what their needs are. We'll kind of put an outline up, and I'll let you guys take a look at it before I post it. It's been my pleasure having you, and uh, we'll see how things go, and uh, we'll keep tabs with you, and uh, maybe you can come back sooner and uh, kind of give us uh, maybe a five-minute update if there's anything worth, uh, you know, how it's like watching paint dry, so we want to make sure it's got stripes on it before we do say something, probably. Let's just hope it's, woo it's done! Oh, there, that'd be good, that'd be good, okay. Well, okay. Thank you. All right, thanks so much, guys. Folks, we're going to be uh, taking a break here, and uh, we're glad that uh, you've uh, come. And... Uh, Next, we're going to be talking about the WebBot report. And, folks, there's uh, – it's just – hang on to your seat. This is part one of it. We'll be right back.
No one in the family will go near it. Ask someone to find something in it and you'll find a less than enthusiastic response. What is it that's in your home that causes grown men to cower and children to run for cover? Fun! Food storage. That's right. Food storage shouldn't be scary. At Simply Your Food, we are the premier providers of long-term, storable, GMO, and MSG-free meats, veggies, fruit, dairy, and pantry essentials like powdered butter. We even have a gluten-free line. Food storage shouldn't be scary. Let Simply Your Food help you with your food storage needs. Go to simplyyourfood.com or call 866-251-7511 and let us take the scary out of food storage. Welcome to the Waterman Files. Alone. We are in this together. You are not alone. You are not alone. Grundgriff, you are not alone. Grundgriff, you are not alone. Ground crew, you are not alone. We, we are, are in this together.
Yeah, the bad moon's coming, folks. <laughs> We've had enough of the bad moon, I think. And, uh, wow. Today we're going to be covering in the second hour part one of probably three parts. Maybe four. Th for sure, three parts of the WebBot report. And... Uh, uh, to start that off, uh, I've got an article here. It says, hard evidence, we are in a full-blown global depression. Here's on one uh, SHT.com. Here's what it says. For the last several months, there have been warnings of economic storm, with many forecasting serious financial calamities by the fall of this year. Stock markets in China having self-destructed, Greece and Europe in another crisis, and corporate earnings from some of the world's biggest corporations showing lackluster performance, it should be clear that the situation is rapidly deteriorating. But for the last several years, America has appeared to remain fully insulated from this overt crisis. We were told that a recovery plan had, well, taken hold. Jobs were returning and consumer confidence had reached new highs, propaganda which drove millions of investors back into the stock market and real estate. But no one in the mainstream world, it seems, believes there's anything to be concerned about except... A report from Zero Hedge highlights just how hard Americans have been hit with inflation, low wages, and so forth. This is the hard evidence that proves once and for all most Americans will soon become privy to the real fact that we are, well, we're in trouble. Here's a quote, must be from Zero Hedge. One of the biggest drivers of the so-called recovery, uh, in addition to the <laughs> S&P 500 and the $4.5 trillion stuff, <laughs> has been the U.S. consumer. That tireless spending horse who through thick and thin recession and depression is expected to take his entire paycheck and then some and tack on a few extra dollars of debt and spend it on worthless trinkets, and might I as a commentator add, from China. Sure enough, for the past eight years, said, said consumer has done just that. And with the help of the endless hopium and Kool-Aid, <laughs> I think he meant opium, Dispensed by the administration, welcome to the Kool-Aid man, you know, and by the political and financial propaganda media, spend, 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 spend. It will be a different time. Well, guess what? The biggest culprit in the collapse is spending intentions. In spending intentions uh, was the middle class. In other words, those making between fifty dollars and $100,000 a year but mostly the wealthy, those incomes, that those whose incomes are over 100000 
It was the latter whose spending expectations dropped to, well, you guess it, the lowest in history. Needless to say, this was not supposed to happen. Worse, in an economy where 70% of the GDP is in the hands of the consumer spending, a collapse is pending, oh, a collapse in spending intentions to multi-year low levels means just one thing. You know what it means, folks. We don't have the money to spend like consumers, like we used to. Have you noticed Walmart is laying off thousands of people? The article goes on to talk about what the web bot is going to about. In the meantime, folks, what we need to do is to continue to find out to our best ability just what lies before us with the hope that we can navigate with some kind of answer through it all. This is part one of the newest WebBot report that was published for August 2015. He's nicknamed this the Brooms of History. Now this is covering a area or a uh, it's covering data that's predictions range from August 2015 through June of 2019. We will be going through different categories. We have different uh, categories that he calls uh, U.S. pop, the global pop, meaning population, Terra, meaning Earth, markets. We're going to start with the global. This is the big picture. At least it's, well, it includes America, too. So let me just get started because it's going to take a while for us all to get through this. And I had this finally in a written form from uh, Cliff High. And uh, I might as well just not have marked it. I almost highlighted everything. Under the global population category, here's what it says. Vast unemployment and misery. That's the key. There's a credit freeze that's sweeping the planet starting now, and a global girdling storm is coming. Social consequences will dominate even though in many ways the financial and political consequences are fluctuating. Diaspora, by the way, that means migration. From economic and climate shift globally, as well as impact from economics and geoengineering, is described as fluid, erratic, sporadic, swelling, overwhelming, tide-like, a weapon, a response, a river, a disease channel, a political problem, surprising, devastating, wealth-draining, land-sculpting, and terrain-altering. All of these are descriptors of the migration of populations because of two things, economic and climate problems. The descriptor sets include things like death marches and death spirals, refugee, woo boy, and dissolve into, into masses. The detail points toward incidents where people will sneak on boats called shipboarding and stowing away, and uh, they will try to get away from what is going on in their area. This refugee load or refugee burden will be used by the power elite to attempt a sector or regional form of government 
that is indicated or planned to be failed under a blood load. In other words, folks, I don't know if you've heard recently, but they're planning on taking one million people out of Africa and putting them in London. That's a that's a plan underway right now. They can't absorb that. But coincident with the emergence of these new electrics that are going to be coming out, there's going to be a new diaspora where there will be caravans and nightly gatherings around fuel cells and big screen TVs for global weather news because it's going to be so important. He said, though, a vertical alignment of social discord is going to come. And it's due to industry-wide labor disputes and complaints, which lead to social upheaval, which in even include sieges, industrial sabotage, labor-based kidnapping. And that's uh, seizures of public property, too, not just corporations. Battles in the streets, even industrial squatting. Isn't that amazing? As a result of the rapid changes that are coming, the rapid changes that will be most devastating are, again, the economy or the credit dries up, which started August the 8th. And he said, for example, this would include milk delivery to retailers because milk people deliver based on credit. In other words, they haven't been paid for their milk yet. But because the credit dries up, they now can no longer deliver milk. That's coming, he says. And this is going to, just on milk alone, and that on milk alone is going to cause social actions by deprived customers, as well as industrial actions by frustrated employees and owners, even at a small scale. Geopolitical instability in Greece is going to push the populace toward some form of interpopulous fighting. A very multi-dimensional civil warfare is going to break out in, in Greece. And it says here that the data shows that optimism, though, will emerge tentatively as, tentatively as an experiment. Now, the data points to self-shedding government in which Many government functions just dry up and impacts then on pensions and salaries happen. If you want to know what it's like and you lived in Detroit, you know exactly what's coming. Actually, if you lived in Michigan, one-third of the teacher requirements or retirements are gone and, and to pay off the bills of Michigan. There are a number of identified periods of very high tension and very high misery index values. And stressors on the Greek populace are not merely financial, but are also human, including large refugee populations. And what's that mean? They're moving people around, folks, to create instability. That's what they're doing. It's what they're doing to America, and that's what they're doing to Europe. It says here the EU pop is going to break up, as according to the data, into more discrete subsets, likely indicating the breakup of the European Union as, is, as it was to be 
conceived by the powers to be in the late 1940s. The data shows there's the Scandinavian subset in the data, generalized as Teutonic people. That's the white Anglo-Saxons, folks, if you don't know who the Teutonic people are. And these groupings are self-referencing, self-isolating movements and are the invasion of conflicting cultures. Now, what does all this mean? Well, here's what's going to happen starting in Scandinavia. In short-term and long-term data out through 2016, it's indicated that some very significant social strife and political change in Scandinavia is going to occur as a direct result of the government threats against this thing being formed. What's being formed? It's called the Local Heritage Society or Local Heritage Movement. And this is going to lead to riots, it says, with violent standoffs between the government and social cohesion groups, it's called. And this will continue over the course of 2016 and 17. Now, it says these conflicts and confrontations between these core peoples and heritage movement people and the government lead to takeovers and occupations of government facilities, including military bases, freaking out NATO, core peoples or core heritage movement becomes visible as a result of the confrontations, as an exodus of migration begins. And folks, what this means is these core people, what they're trying to get to here and say is that this is a core of Anglo-Saxon Europeans saying, we're tired of our culture being changed, and we've had it. And so because of that, there's a migration out of Scandinavia, not by the bad guy, the, the, the Teutonic people, but by many Jewish people within these countries. Interesting says the occupation of public buildings, including housing, will occur over the years of assertion by these core people's rights for the specific purpose of instigating wholesale abandonment of an area by immigrants who came in. Deemed to be ethnic cleansing by the press, the people's heritage movement is described as fighting back with a barrage of immigration and social engineering, and the we-won't-take-it-anymore anti-propaganda. The displacement of the foreign immigration populations is described as, trip, as crippling and stagnating. General popular feelings in Europe, as well as generating vast quantities of verbiage globally, economic impacts from this are huge, described as rippling through the economic fabric globally for 30 years. Even the immigrant businesses are indicated to be wiped out. Fortunes are lost and stolen and taken by betrayal. Capital controls are set up throughout Europe. In other words, if these people that are leaving that are not Anglo-Saxons think they're going to leave with the wealth, in other words, there's another thing coming. 
Social and food chaos new to the current generations take hold. Not since the displaced persons chaos that was occurring after World War II has there been anything like this coming in Europe. Smugglers are described as bringing in new people only to encounter their former clients that are headed back out of the country that they just brought them to due to the human population there pressing to make them leave. Folks, I think they've drawn the line in the sand in Europe, and it's coming. This uh, forced cultural blending was meant to be destructive. It was being destructive, as you cannot blend two cultures very well together. They don't stabilize a nation at all. And uh, it's going to get worse, and it's going to hit the world, and in, and basically it starts in this region and goes, it spreads from there. So here's what we've got. Still in the global population category are some other activities. The global pop contains the impact and uh, discussion of the impact of the sun disease on humans and plants and animals. It says there's going to be harsh, uh, very harsh solar rays. And uh, this has nothing to do with chemtrails, nothing to do with cars and factory emissions. That are going to be, uh, it says the solar rays are going to be blamed for a new form of heat-related deaths in many regions around the planet. These new forms are where the person or animal heats up internally from the inside out so rapidly, so deeply to their core, they're unable to shed this heat and they pass out and expire. It's kind of like having a heat stroke. What makes this new phenomena is that these deaths will be caused from the inside out, not from the skin to the enter, okay? But rather from too much heat at the core of the body. Now, there's only one way. When you go to get therapy at a doctor and uh, you start getting the heat applied through therapy because uh, you want to heat it, they get you some infrared heat on there and it gets you warmed up. And uh, that heat causes it to warm up from the inside. It's uh, far infrared. He says here in the report, other forms of sun disease are what we will come to call heat strokes. Now, this is different. Described within the data as strokes that come about due to blood pooling in one spot in the head where UV, not infrared, UV rays have penetrated to the extent of cooking small capillaries or lymph passages between capillaries. And then many of these many strokes will be experienced during outside activities. The medical establishment, of course, is going to forecast, is forecast to make all kinds of erroneous conclusions. But over the next several years, there appears to be a spike in these incidents. So that's what's being predicted. In fact, it's going to be so numerous to the point that the general awareness of the population leads to the reappearance 
of what's called tinfoil hats. Why? To protect the head. Note that these are not made of tin, <laughs> he says. <laughs> and are going to be a wide there's going to be a wide variety of approaches to the problem, including foiled plastic helmets. I guess taking a helmet and putting foil on it. But they will be labeled pretty much globally as tinfoil hats. Folks, when this kind of language is predicted to be occurring at a massive level in the street, there's a problem on the way. The use of aluminum for these sunstroke protective head covers will have a curious couple of side effects. First, in China, they will note ahead of the rest of the world that their population does not seem to have the severity or impact of the disease, the sun disease, as other parts of the world. So in some point in late 2016, so Hey, folks, this is supposed to start real soon, okay? And if I were to segue off, we've got heat at 128 or 129, I can't remember which number it is, in Iraq right now. I mean, it's hot at 110, 115, add another 15 degrees. It's, it's, it's horrid. It's just, you can't even breathe without heating up. This leads to a very large um, increase in the use of aluminum hats by, of all descriptions, and even people will innovate wearable, wearable computing hats, I guess where they can do stuff with their helmet on or whatever. <laughs> then what will emerge is a certain style of aluminum hats slash helmets that are associated with the Chinese population. And then outside of China, the silhouette of this particular kind of hat, wearing such a, a Chinese design, will be taken as a visible symbol of China. In other words, it's going to be so unique, they'll know they're wearing something that China designed. So, it says here, from fall through fall, uh, fall of 2015, which is coming right up next month, through fall of 2016, the data says they move into the uh, very peculiar change of relationships in, in the world. And there's two of them that he's got mentioned in the web bot. The two that he's talking about primarily is between Indonesia and Malaysia, which have been internally in conflict with each other, and India and Pakistan, which have been in conflict with each other. For example, uh, when India took over, was taken over by uh, British, made a colony of, uh, of Britain, uh, what happened was there was still conflict there. So they decided to create a new nation, call it Pakistan, and took it, sawed that out of India. And they made all the Muslims go to Pakistan and all the Hindus go to India. And so, of course, guess what? They've been in conflict with each other ever since, right? Anyway, suggesting then with these conflicts kind of coming to an end is because of a strange set of circumstances that bring about this relaxation of tensions between these uh, warring factions. And it's a side effect <laughs> uh, of cooperation 
to kind of fight this, uh, uh, exploit what they need to do in order to fight off all these problems that are uh, plaguing the planet. But one of them is they begin to cooperate on some kind of emerging technology, a land-based emerging technology, so important, it says in the report, that it would make as much, uh, it's as important of a discovery in land-based transportation that it would be like cutting 90% of the cost of driving a car, uh, gasoline, making it 90% more efficient, in other words. We know that can be done, right? They just tabled it, buy it, and throw it away because they don't want it to because there's a deal between the car makers and the petroleum. Well, these two countries start breakthrough on land-based transportation. Now, that's the good side. In the meantime... As the credit freeze begins to get deeper, there's some consequences that's been forecast by the data. And that includes something to do with stopping or cessation of ship destructions in Bangladesh. Now, I don't know what ship destruction in Bangladesh is all about. Maybe they're dismantling them. Maybe they're taking them apart there. I don't know. But if you know, Bangladesh is right off of the uh, northeastern side of uh, India, and it's a it's an ocean. Uh, it's a it's a country, very very small country that has an ocean front. In the meantime, it says that, that Russia is going to put in both uh, port facilities and some other kind of marine fabrication plant there and it's going to happen you know like up through the 20s 220s and this is all due to changes in the coastline last night there was a remote viewer that was on art bell maybe i can't say his name real well it's joe mcdaigle or something like that. Do you guys know how to say it? Medagal, Madugal, Mc. Anyway, he's a well-known <laughs> uh, forecaster. He was he spent twenty some odd years in the CIA uh, forecasting future events and being able to prognosticate them. I guess fairly well. Maybe um, the best in the world. He says that last night he's already warning his family to get out of Florida because the marine uh, environment in the coastal areas is going to take a major hit because of rising ocean levels. Now, that's what the web bot said, but he didn't get it from the web bot. That's also what the uh, NASA scientist that has the new climate group down in Florida has been saying. Well, anyway, back to the the web bot here. Malaysia and Indonesia uh, are going to become the center for some kind of marine innovations uh, in electronics. And they're going to promote stuff there big time. There's going to be schools initiatives in Singapore even. And they're going to start pushing open source software and hosting and distribution free 
all kinds of free software as part of a citizen's right to access movement that's going to be taking hold, he said, over the next 20 years. Moving over to Australia and New Zealand, it says that they're going to be damaged as well from this planetary expansion and climate problem. But they will also be benefiting. But there will be entire coastal communities that will go away because of the rising water and destruction of the coastline. But there will also be some developed infrastructures where new lands pop up. Well, anyway... All this destruction by storm patterns, rising sea, earthquakes, slides, and undersea contours gives both New Zealand and Australia opportunity and disaster at the same time, it says. In South America, in that population, he says, are the largest challenges over 2015 to 2020. We already know that. Right now, Argentina is about starved to death. I mean, their stores are are scary empty, the grocery stores. Economic meltdown globally will put the continent of South America into a state of multiple country defaults and failures. In other words, entire countries are going to go broke. Government failures are going to occur, and they're going to be so severe, it says, as to isolate entire regions into their own solutions. Initiatives to cope with their symptoms from just this thing called global credit freezes, just as they get hit by one wave of, uh, of a problem and begin to get out of it, they have a new wave of immigrants coming. Why? Due to food and climate and economic problems in the northern hemisphere, yes, He's predicting that there's going to be a migration out of the northern hemisphere into the southern. And I think primarily, folks, because of what's happening to the planet. Here's what it says. Described as diaspora or scattering of people, upcoming migration will not be like previous migrations in past centuries. It will be started or led by the ultra-rich. Now, if you already know, the Bush family owns a whole bunch of land in South America. They bought it a long time ago. It says here in the Web Buy report that the ultra-rich will buy, then the slightly less rich, then celebrities, then just merely the rich people, and so on down the economic social strata until it reaches a point where moving southward demands the people get support from help. So new transportation hubs, hubs for going to South America, legally or not, spring up. So this global picture is got all kinds of stuff happening, if you can hear this. And you're going to get more of an idea of why and as we go through the WebBot report. But we'll get through this part and probably part of another one here, and you'll kind of get more of a picture of what's going on. It says here the data indicates an early wave of the common people's migration south will be initiated by the collapse in the North American colleges. It's predicting that North American colleges, that would be America and Canada, and the welfare system failing in many states 
as well as other economic signs of an upcoming harsh deprivation period that will lead to both naturally occurring desire and the fact that astute and aware indebted college students say, forget it here, and they seek their future somewhere else. So they're attracted to South America, it says, and many will make businesses out of getting them to South America, while other college students or college grads just out of school will be needing and saying, let's leave the country. And the students and college people that have hard sciences are going to be really welcomed in South American countries for their ability to generate and bring, uh, you know, technology and business and wealth down in that area. So this phenomena will cause widespread language meldings and problems, but as well provide an entrepreneurial boost to South America from talent in North America. In other words, we're going to see this movement. But why? It says here anyway, there's going to be new lands west of South America and to the west of Australia formed and that's because of the earth changes, okay? So what's going to happen? Why is students why are students going to be in college age people headed south? Well, let's start this. We've got about twenty minutes and we'll get into the US population category. And uh, we'll get into this, and that's like I said, this is going to be a multi-part web bot update. I will be putting both these interviews from the first hour, the interview for the first hour and the web bot, right up on the front page of the Waterman Files. I want you to know something has hit the button in Russia on my website, and overwhelmingly, folks, just because of the sheer access people have in America to the Internet. I always had more Americans than anywhere, more hits from the USA, except for the last week. And for some strange region, reason, excuse me, Russia has been number one on hits in the Waterman Files. Folks, there are 300,000 people viewing the Waterman Files every month. And now... Most of them are Russian. And that's kind of got me kind of spooked, wondering what the heck's going on over there. I don't have a clue. I have no idea why. So let's get into this U.S. population and and look at the data. The data is including uh, uh, great complexity, it says, uh, at levels that we've never seen in the web body. It is. It's really kind of convoluted. So bear with me, and I'll try and put this together in an understandable way. The patterns in this report are suggesting that the United States population are going to be headed into uh, these waves of high emotions over the next year and a half. Well, he said 19 months. So over the next year and a half, we're going to be getting wave after wave of emotional impacts from problems, not from good things, problems. So the U.S. population in that category has a long period of contention and internal and international problems, and it starts immediately in the immediate data, and uh, if you look forward in the data, 
it extends into the long-term data range also. But there's some very interesting words that pop up that give weight to what we might see coming up. Internal revolution, reformation, political system. That's what uh, you could just kind of wrap it all up in. The data suggests, folks, that for perhaps as long as three years, that the U.S. is going to be impacted by sporadic breakdowns in the various forms of our infrastructure. And that this is not infrastructure as in people, but infrastructure. And it's a result of uh, physical damage on the planet such as, you know, stretching. Uh, the other day I saw a picture where the road was ripped open because it's, it's opened. It just ripped open. Have you seen the pictures of the three miles of highway up there in Yellowstone? The asphalt in Yellowstone, three miles of pavement, is goo, melted asphalt goo. Literally, the road has turned into a black goo because the ground is so hot underneath there. Our globe is getting huge impacts and changes, and uh, we can get into why, but we're going to continue just to talk about what's happening, such as stretching. And it's going to cause, it says in the report, the breakage of underground installations. So if it's in the ground, folks, you get like power from under the ground. You can have your power ripped in part, and then we'll have to come out and put it all back together, fiber optic, same way. Uh, but anything that's connected to the ground, like bridges, if they're one, you know, if it rips open, well, one end of the bridge could fall over, you know, disconnect and fall. It says here, data is showing that some of these planetary instabilities affect installations but some of these installations, it says, are black projects by the government or secret groups. Hmm. So they're going to render even large areas uninhabitable due to two things. The lack of water and the lack of electricity from this rupturing underground. But I thought that was pretty interesting that black projects being disturbed uh, because of earth changes. You know, that's where they plan to kind of weather out the earth changes. It's not going to quite work out so well, folks, for them. Severe climate extremes such as heat and drought are going to cause more misery, while misery is still a large emotional blanket, it says, in the United States. It's going to be counterbalanced by a general shift, not in the weather, but in new liberties, and freedoms at a society level. Why? Well, it's amazing what it says that we're going to get more freedom from, but I'm not surprised. It says, as the governments die off by strangulation of funds over the next year. Although they are not completely gone by 2020, it says, the data indicates that the government will have abandoned many of its former areas of authority. As the funds to press those claims wither up, the death of the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency will take its toll, folks. And that's supposed to 
start 2015 and rupture all this apart the rest of this year and next. So it says here from 2015 to 2020, the U.S. population undergoes a very large change. And then that was mentioning what we were talking about earlier, and that's diaspora of the population. So they will redistribute due to planetary changes, especially along if you're on the eastern seaboard and the southern coast, they'll be migrating because of these changes. But not just because of that, but also due to the failure of the Federal Reserve's dollar being, guess what? Yes, that's right, the global reserve currency. And this has devastating effects because then the credit freeze is coming up that started the, he says, behind the scenes it started August the 8th. And it will soon come to a town near you, apparently. In the fall of 2015, with, with, with the shock of the po global population's confidence in the dollar going down, then, of course, guess what? Trouble happens in America. But the first thing it says they're going to try and do is repatriate confidence in the dollar. So in early 2016, they're going to say, rah, rah, America, buy a bond, probably. You know, put those bond ads on TV. Invest in America, invest in America. Well, within, the, and that's my speculation, but within the emerging sound money economy, something's going to pop up parallel to the dollar. It's called precious metals-based barter. Yep, it's going to be led by silver, but it's not going to exclude gold. So it's going to be silver first and gold, and guess what? Diamonds, they're going to be involved. Local popular op opinions and functioning electrical infrastructures allow some regions of America to continue to use cryptocurrency. See, if you get into cryptocurrency, it's great as long as you've got the Internet. And it says there'll be some areas that still have Internet, and they'll be able to use that infrastructure and uh, make deals. And the data, it says, is forecasting that Bitcoin is going to then become somehow connected to both gold and silver in exchange. Interesting. And they will both be commonplace in certain regions. They will be so common it will lubricate what business there is. And there will be businesses doing both gold, silver, and Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies. It says in the global population in late 2015, that's coming up here, and, of course, for 2016, it says there's going to be the sound money transition period worldwide. But he says in this report, it says it's going to be brutal. It's going to be severe. It's going to be really hard. In fact, he says in the details, there are areas of this transition where there's literally migrations of people for just food because the government failures lead to riots. Even government installations are attacked and stormed. Even military bases are going to be sieged by local population due to rumors that they have food stores. Because the people are starving, they attack military bases. These events are after the credit freeze has seized this 
just-in-time delivery system that has now not delivered supplies to local people. Now we might be seeing why they are deploying military all over the country in some excuse called, what? Jade Helm. And I just have the report that I will put up when I put these audio files up, folks, describing a paper talking about the military getting ready because of climate change that the Pentagon has got to respond and they have a plan. And I've got it. Now, this isn't WebBot. It's real. Back to the WebBot. During this period, the U.S. population, that's the U.S., will undergo change at levels never previously imagined or even considered possible. And this includes millions of people dying over a five-month year period for 12 brutal years. In other words, out of 12 years coming up, there'll be people dying for five years. But not only now uh, nourishment and disease and extremes in climate will cause this, but also those conditions that are maintained uh, by pharmaceuticals. In other words, folks, if food dries up and the credit system is gone and people have to force be forced to relocate because of weather extremes, there's another threat to some people's health, and that's access to life-sustaining drugs. And blood sugar issues can be one of those. And the economic infrastructure that collapsed then will threaten that, it says. And these life-giving infrastructures will be destroyed because of climate, because of uh, credit freezes. And these areas where life in the region is dependent on this and electricity, it could be something that keeps, you might have to have electricity in order to live, either directly or to maybe even bring in water to your town by electricity. They'll be deprived, they'll be deprived of that water because the power won't be there. It says here there will be wholesale relocation of people. It will be a repeat, he says, of what happened and echoes of the Dust Bowl relocation events of the 1930s. If you recall, they blamed it on bad farming in their Dust Bowl. Well, bad farming didn't make it hot. Bad farming didn't necessarily make it dry either. It says, though, these migrations will be sourced from both coasts. In other words, they'll be coming to the middle of the country, headed also north. Now, I don't get this. They'll be going to be headed towards central Canada, I think because of water. Now, it says at least it will follow mountain ranges and north-south highways. So there's this north-south movement that's going to be occurring in the United States by gobs of people, according to this report. And I think that uh, we're setting here on the, the Earth category, or Terra, 
and it's uh, going to be talking about weather patterns for this fall and winter and beyond. And it's going to talk about rains that are so torrential. They'll even have new names for these rainstorms. There's going to be new windstorms that aren't tornadoes, but they're more vicious than tornadoes. So we're going to be covering that in part two. And uh, we're going to see what in the world is going on in this whole mess here. It's been my pleasure being with you today, and I'm not so sure I'm bringing uh, bad news. It is bad, but I don't want it to be news that you can't deal with. Folks, this is it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I sense this, and I've been putting this alongside the map that I made a long time ago of the tribulation period where I said the Father has these distinct markers in the heavens. I'm not talking about blood moons. I'm not talking about <laughs> any of these kind of things. What I'm talking about, folks, is just generally the fact that certain unique one-at-a-time, uh, one-time event in the history of our human civilization probably marked something in God's calendar. And that was December 2012 with some very unique things. And if we project seven years beyond that, the halfway point is 2016, right about in the middle of it. And we are leading up to what then would be the, if that's true, we're leading up to the halfway point of the tribulation. And what happens then? There's this huge earthquake and all hell begins to break loose. There's stuff from the sky. The sun goes bonkers. And everything that we're reading in the webbot, you can read in the tribulation chronicles in Revelation starting at the halfway point. Folks, <clears throat> Two things we must do as a ground crew group. I know, I know what it's like and how tough it can be to hold family together in these times. But let's be family to each other. We're ground crew. If we have something that we need help with, let's do it. Let's make it happen. We've got to be ready. And we have to make this happen so that we can endure the times. Only the reason why the Father gives us prophecy is for us to prepare. Not to scare us, but to prepare. Are you ready? Um, I'm trying to get ready. I know you're trying to. You're not alone. Always make sure you understand that <laughs> it's a lonely world, isn't it, already? It's bad enough to think that, golly, I don't have anybody there. You're not alone. going to be playing some music on our next broadcast, uh, kind of give some breaks, because you just heard the tip of the iceberg. And, and folks, I'm not trying to scare you, but it's, it's so bad. The other day, I said, oh, my God, if this is real, people are going to be suffering. 
I'll talk to you real soon. Bye-bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.